Hello. Thank you for listening to the sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allows you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. Andrew, thanks. Thanks for being here with us. Thanks for all those weeks that you and Susan um, put together the hard work and Susan making sure the house looks spotless in the background for us. You know, it's like, yes, you painted for us, which was amazing. We felt honored. If you didn't catch that, you can go back and look, you know, the first week compared to the last week, you know. If you take your Bibles with me and turn to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 5, Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 42, we're going to cover the whole chapter, the rest of the chapter this morning as we continue to unpack this book written by Dr. Luke and uh, excited to be able to um, walk through this passage here with you today. If you get up and you need to go to the gym, just know that the video is not working there this morning. We had a malfunction in our uh, one of our things, and so we'll be sending that back and getting a new piece, but uh, it doesn't work today. And so um, we apologize, but we'll, we'll keep working on that. Not anybody's fault. So don't blame Aaron. Aaron's worked really hard. So Aaron, it's not your fault. We appreciate Aaron and, uh, and Lene. Uh, they've kind of been working together as uh, a team back there all these weeks. And uh, Pastor David, of course, has done all kinds of different things along with helping his wife have a baby. Um, and uh, so we're, we're, we're thankful. God's blessed us. We have a great family here, and it's awesome to be able to worship together. And uh, I just want you to know, man, it was such an encouragement to me to hear you singing this morning. It's just like sweetness. And it reminds me of the psalm that I read earlier, Psalm 19, of how God's word is just, it's like sweetness, it's like the honeycomb. And to be able to sing praises this morning together was, was encouraging to me. I hope it was to you as well. So let's dig into the word, Acts chapter 5 and verses 12 through 42. Um, if you would, let's pray and let's ask the spirit to work in us and ask God to reveal his truths to us. Lord, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would use your word and they would penetrate our hearts into our very soul, the core of who we are this morning. We pray that your spirit would minister to us and Lord, tear down the walls that we can so easily uh, rise up in our pride and our arrogance in our sinful state, Lord. Um, I pray that you would help us to see Jesus today. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for bringing us here, both in person and virtually, and we pray that you would bless this time together, and it's in Jesus' name, amen. Title today, What's in the Name? Life. Life's in the name. And so we want to look at that. Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 42. And if your children act up, don't worry about it. I love hearing it. It's fantastic to me. Even though the Adams girls are going to be distracted, that's okay. Let them be distracted. I, I said, isn't that joy? That's like, it brings joy. It's okay. So don't worry. Except for Zach and Marissa. You guys got to behave. Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 14. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem 
More than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. And the people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is, the party of the Sadducees, filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to all to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to preach, or began to teach. And when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council and all the senate of the people of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison, so they returned and reported, We found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. And when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And some came and told them, Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain of the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. And when they heard this, they were enraged and they wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, held an honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, Men of Israel, take care for what you are about to do with these men. For before these days, Thaddeus rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice. When they had called all the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. 
great text, and uh, we're not going to belabor a lot of it. It speaks for itself in many different ways. I want to quickly just highlight a few things that uh, I think stand out to me, and then I want to give us uh, some application at the end here. So let's walk through. When we see this first section, verses 12 through 16, we see uh, that with these many signs, we see, again, this comes on the heel of the the man who was... Um, uh, unable to walk, who was healed. He was lame from birth. He's been healed, and the apostles were thrown into jail. They were brought before the religious leaders. They gave an answer of how they did this. It was the name of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit, and um, the religious leaders at that time um, gave them a command not to not to preach, not to teach in the name of Jesus, not to speak of the name of Jesus. Then we see how the body was working at that time. We see the example, the good example of, of, uh, of Barnabas, and then we see the bad example of Ananias and Sapphira. Last week we looked at that. And so how uh, our motives and the inner workings of our life God sees, even though man may not see it. And the, the need of the church being God's representation here on this earth to be pure. And so then we see here, this is an astonishment to the people as they see not only the healing, but now some of this judgment upon Ananias and Sapphira. And so the people who are believers continue to gather and they're, they're learning and they're excited. They're sharing there as one. But those who are on the outside, while they're observing all this, Dr. Luke helps us to see in verse 13 that none of the rest dared join them, meaning they weren't sure if they should be a part of this. They listened, and there were, there were still many who were, who were going to come and accept Jesus because it tells us that uh, more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. So what probably, what Luke is probably helping us to see is while they may not have entered into Solomon's portico here to listen, the effect of the gospel message being proclaimed in daily lives was having a huge impact. And we see even at the end of this chapter that they were proclaiming the gospel not only in Solomon's temple, but it says house to house. And so we see this now in a very real way the gospel and what Jesus has commanded the apostles to do, the commission to go out, we see it happening. It starts in Solomon's temple. Now it's moving on and it's going to go house to house in Jerusalem. And we see that it's even outside of Jerusalem now into some other, other towns and other places. So it, there's a building of now the gospels moving outside of just Jerusalem. And, and that's, that's pretty exciting, and we'll continue to see that spread um, as, we, as we walk through this book. So we see verse 16, the people gathered from towns to, around Jerusalem. Again, that's, the, that's where we see it's not only in Jerusalem, it's outside of it, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. What's, what's really cool is, if you back up a little bit, is about the bringing them so that as Peter... And the other apostles uh, are walking that even their shadows, that they, that they, there's not a conversation, but just the shadow of Peter 
would be able to bring healing. I don't understand it. I don't know it all. All I know is that that's, that's God's work, right? Isn't that magnificent that our God is able to do something as crazy and awesome as that? And it reminds me of uh, something I, I was told yesterday that oftentimes God uses remarkable ways, not just the normal, ordinary ways to proclaim his glory. And we need to be reminded of that. And we need to be encouraged that God is the same God that worked here and he can work that way today. Now, if he chooses not to, if he chooses not to heal the sick or the blind or the lame, we can still give him glory. And so it's okay to pray though. And it's okay to look and see the stories of how God's miraculous work. It's absolutely amazing. We see now the religious leaders, again, hear all of this that's going on. It's transpiring. I'm sure there's a period of time now that's taken place. So they're going to gather Peter and John and some of the other apostles. And so they bring them in. And uh, they're, it, again, Dr. Luke gives, it very, uh, very, gives us some clarity here. It makes it very clear. It says they were filled with jealous. They were jealously um, they were filled with a pride and an arrogance that God was working amongst these apostles and leaders. But evidently, I wondered what it was like in the temple as they were teaching. You know, were the crowds flocking or were they still having the crowds? But all I know, there was a hubbub, not only just in Jerusalem, but in the towns around. And so now we see the motivation of these religious leaders they become jealous and they put them in prison. They arrested the apostles, put them in public prison. During the night, the angel delivers them, uh, walks them through and says, come on, you're leaving. Notice what the angel says. Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. That's why when I titled today, what's in the name? It's all about life. I think sometimes we walk around like dead people. We need to be dead to ourselves, but we need to walk around with life. And, and that's where these uh, apostles were commissioned by, again, reminded by the angel, go and speak, go into the temple. And I want you to continue to speak the word, speak the word of life. So it says, when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and they began to teach. And so the next, that next morning, the religious leaders all gather they're, they're meeting, they go call the apostles who are supposed to be in prison, and they're not there. And they're perplexed. They say, how is this happening? Because the doors are closed and locked. The guards are standing there. How did they get out? Well, Dr. Luke doesn't tell us exactly all the details. All we know is it was an act of God, the movement of his, one of his messengers of an angel that delivered them out of that jail and move them out. And so they're perplexed. They're like, what is going on? And then they get word that here the apostles are back over in the temple, Solomon's portico, and they're teaching and preaching. So they go get them. But the text tells us that they don't do it by force. Now, how they convince them to come, I don't know. They said, hey, will you come with us? Because the text tells us they're afraid that the mob of people are going to stone them if they force them to come. And so, again, the apostles and their own willingness come 
before the religious leaders. And so they're brought to account. It says, uh, when they brought them, verse 27, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, we strictly charge you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Again, they're taking this personal. Because what? The testimony that the apostles are bringing, and we've read it before in the text, and Dr. Luke's laid it out already, there are not too many who are not at fault here. The Jews are at fault. The Roman government and the officials at that time were, were at fault. And the religious leaders of that time are at fault. And so in this, they are taking very personal, hey, you're speaking ill of us as religious leaders. And so in doing that, they charge them not to speak. And they're reminding them, hey, we told you not to do this, and yet you continue to do this. So their response is this. Peter said, Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. It's a reference really going back to chapter 4, verses 19 and 20, when Peter answers the religious leaders and really calls them out to say, hey, wait a minute, are, are we to obey you or are we to obey God? And he's giving the answer, we're here going to obey God. And in so doing, he gives a description. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, who killed you, who killed, who you killed by hanging him on a tree. Again, we see this, this, this is critical as they talk about this, because to be hung on a tree means to be disgraced. We see that from the Old Testament law. And so for Jesus to be hung on a tree, killed by these religious leaders, it was like a slap in the face. There was no way of getting around it. And so doing that, he makes it very clear, you have responsibility in this. You killed Jesus, but God raised Jesus from the dead. He is alive. And so he says this, God exalted Jesus at his right hand as leader and savior. So he's leader, meaning he's the prince, all right? He's the one who's in charge, and he's savior. He's the one who's delivered. Delivered from what? Well, they talk about uh, repentance to Israel, bringing repentance to Israel um, to turn away from sin and turn to God, and then to have forgiveness of sin. This is the one who has made that available, and it's the one who makes it available to us today. That we are able to repent of our sin because we're stuck and we're enchained in sin. Every one of us who is, who is born on this earth is enchained to sin and we can't set ourselves free. And yet Jesus has come to set us free from that chain and allow us to repent, to turn from sin and to ask for forgiveness. To claim Jesus as Prince and Savior. And verse 32, we are witnesses. Again, a term that Jesus said back in chapter 1, verse 19, I want you to be my witnesses. And so they're saying here, we are witnesses of this. 
We're proclaiming this. We're living our lives in such a way so that others may see and hear. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. As they say this, there's evidence because of the way God is working and their obedience in their life, others can see the work of the Spirit. It's a confirmation that God is in this. And in this, then we, Dr. Luke now records for us a little bit of a background of, of these religious leaders. So one of the religious leaders who is very well respected, who really knows the law, um, Gamaliel, is a teacher of the law held in honor by all people. And he stood up and he's going to give some descriptions. What he does is he talks about the story of this of two men. And in that doing, there was this man who led an uprising. And so he was killed and all those people who followed him scattered abroad. While there was another man after him who followed him. And in so doing, that, that Judas, um, when he died, all those people scattered. And so as this religious leader is giving argument, I don't think he's giving argument for the cause of Jesus. What he's doing is saying, leave these people alone. And as these other men, because he's giving them as negative examples, he's saying, in a sense, let these men go and, and it's all going to fall apart. He does add in here, and I think it's motivation to mainly say, we don't want to oppose God. But again, in the negative light, the example that he gives helps us to see the context. I don't think his motivation was to say, hey, let's see if God's really in this. It was mainly just to say, we're going to let, let God be the judge, and this is all going to fizzle out. And, and yet, there is some strong terms that Dr. Luke records for us, um, that if God is in it, verse 39, but if, if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. I think that is a phrase that is great for us as Christ followers as much it is, as it is for the world. If God is in something, there is no one that will be able to stop it. Isn't that great? That gives us peace. That gives us a, a sense of, of calmness, a sense of resolve, a sense of, okay, Lord, I just wanna, I want whatever you want. Now, where we struggle is how do we know what that looks like? Well, we walk by faith and we walk step by step, trusting him and following him. And so he even says, you might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice. They called the apostles back and they beat them, which they hadn't done before. This is, this is a new thing. So it's escalating. This, this conflict is starting to rise to a different level now. The apostles have gotten beating and they charge them not to speak in the name of Jesus and they let them go. And so notice the response of the apostles, verse 41. Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing. Why were they rejoicing? Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. I don't know about you, but... Is that how you respond when somebody gets in your face about Jesus or about the convictions of the word? It says, and every day 
in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. Here's some application for us. Number one, we need to follow Jesus' lead in suffering. We need to follow Jesus' lead in suffering, meaning that God's not always going to take away our hurts. He's not always going to take away our suffering and the hardships of each and every day. But even though he may not take away, he does give us. He gives us peace. He gives us strength to be able to walk through those days. We want life easy, and so we don't want to suffer. Why do we think for a moment in wanting and our desire and our call to be like Jesus that we aren't going to suffer? We may not suffer our, until our life is put on the line, but God has called us as Christ followers to suffer because there's a war that takes place here on this earth. And this war is, is a war between Satan and God. And Satan, the ruler of this world, will ultimately be defeated. But as long as we're here and until Jesus returns, there is a battle. And in that battle, the father of lies has deceived and is deceiving other people. And causing them and manipulating them and moving them to do things that are harmful to the cause of Christ and even to those who are innocent. We have been called as followers of Jesus Christ at times to suffer. We need to be reminded that we need to follow Jesus' lead in that suffering. There are times that we need to be like Jesus as Jesus appeared to those who persecuted him and those who were the leaders of that time, Jesus was very quiet. There are times for us to be very quiet, to let the spirit of God work, to let our testimony do the talking. There are other times that we need to speak. We need to proclaim I think of Stephen, we're going to see in just a few weeks, we're going to look at this wonderful man of Stephen. And as he's being, being put to death, he, he is proclaiming Jesus Christ. He's not proclaiming his rights. He's not proclaiming his own desires. He's proclaiming Jesus. And so we need to, we need to follow Jesus' lead. Jesus was about the Father's will. That's what he wanted to do. That's what it was all about. That's what we need to do. So follow Jesus' lead in suffering. Number two, we need to rejoice. This is a fruit of the spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, love, joy, rejoicing. Here we see the apostles rejoicing that they were able to share in suffering. Not because they were just suffering, but suffering for Jesus, Suffering because they were proclaiming, they were teaching, they were proclaiming Jesus Christ as the Messiah, as their Lord. In so doing, we have a great opportunity to be reminded and to have a fresh perspective. This earth is not our own. Our citizenship is in heaven. And with that, we can rejoice each day that the Lord gives us because that's another day closer to eternity. And so we can rejoice 
and have the joy of the Lord in us as the spirit works in us, no matter what our day looks like. The third is this, to obey God at all costs. To obey God at all costs. This is a sensitive subject right now in America, across the globe. I'm not going to get in a heated debate, and I'm not going to be political. The text tells us here that the apostles were going to proclaim and preach and teach Jesus. They weren't talking about their rights. They weren't talking about any citizenship that they had. They weren't even talking about the religious rights. They stood up for one man and they were going to follow him. That's our call today. We follow God at all costs. We must distinguish between when we oppose those who oppose what we believe God's word. We have to walk with the spirit. The spirit needs to be our guide and the one who directs us and guides us through that time. There may be a time where we stand for Jesus and we oppose those who may be against us. That may be a family member. I I know of many families and individuals who have been disowned by their family because they stood for Jesus. This isn't just about opposing government. This is about living our lives dedicated to the one who gave his life for us. That we are willing to obey God and what he calls us to at all costs. We need to be careful. Be careful that our selfishness and our own desires don't get in the way of that. Be careful that we don't lose perspective, as I shared a little bit ago, that we lose perspective on where we are now and what is to come. You and I, we're not judges. There is one judge and he knows it all. Sometimes I would love to go back and I would just love to follow like David, just to watch him, like to be a little bug on the wall and just to see how he responded as Saul, the one who wanted to put him to death threw a spear at him. David didn't pick up that spear and throw it back. David trusted that that was the man of God that he had put there. God had put Saul in that role and David was going to respect him. He was not going to take his life. That's one of example of many examples that we read in the word and why we've got to be in the word. We've got to listen to the word. We've got to listen to the spirit. We must obey God at all cost. The apostles were willing to do that. And I think it's great when we see and we hear of those who are so bold in their faith and their walk with Jesus that they're not going to they're not going to allow a law, they're not going to allow a rule, they're not going to allow a person to stop them from proclaiming Jesus. That's the rules and the laws that we must follow. We pray for those who God has put over in charge of us because God has put them there. 
And because God has put them there for our protection, we may not always agree with them. I'm realizing that my children are more and more like me every day. They get all their mom's good qualities and they have all my bad qualities because we go like this sometimes. I remember not revolting, but I remember fighting against my dad in those teenage years, not understanding, not knowing why he laid some of the rules and guidelines as I walked through high school. I'm not going to tell you what they are because that doesn't matter. You may say, well, what were they? So we can judge. No, it's not about that. The fact is my dad is my dad. And that period of time, I wrestled and fought against the one that God put in charge of me and over in authority of my life. Looking back, I wish I could redo some of that. One of the worst things I did, I remember writing a letter to my dad telling him how disappointed I was that he wouldn't let me do something. And I think, how selfish of me now. But that's part of growing and that's part of... Are, are you not thankful for God's grace and his mercy? Man, where would we be without that? But I think of that and it's a picture for the times where we, we need to be honest with ourselves and with the Lord. There are times where in our selfish desires and our own wants, we fight against what God has ordained and put there. And so let's keep the main thing the main thing. And let's look at the name that changes it all. The name that changed our life and the name that will change other people's life. There's a world that is clamoring for answers. The answers are found in one name. And that name is Jesus. And in his name is life. And so you and I have the opportunity to live out this week. Today and the days ahead. To be able to share in the suffering of Jesus to rejoice in all that God allows in our life, good and bad, and to be able to obey God no matter what the cost is. I don't know about you, but I need his help. Do you? Because I can't do it and I shouldn't do it alone. And so let's pray and ask the Lord's help. Lord, we again thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the opportunity to gather and to honor and to bring you glory. Lord, thank you for your word and for the opportunity to read it and to study it, to unpack it, and then, Lord, to live it out. Help us to live it out this day and the week ahead. Lord, help us to trust you by faith, knowing that we can't see everything. And I'm really not that wise. I'm not all-powerful. I'm not all-knowing. But you are, and I can trust you. We can trust you and we can walk with you knowing that you are there to guide us and to direct us and you've given us your word and you've given us your spirit to move us and to mold us and to help us to become more like your son, Jesus. And so in the day ahead, in the days, in the weeks ahead, Lord, may it be said that life is found in the name of Jesus and that we would proclaim and show that. 
to all those we come in contact with. We love you, Lord, and we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.